Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. At the heart of the United States of America is your right to live without one political party advocating that you should be killed. The central promise of the United States of America is your right to be free without one political party advocating that any election it loses has been fixed and that its presumptive presidential nominee has the right to overthrow the government. And the essence of the United States of America is your responsibility to defend it which today means your responsibility to recognize that if it were not so already. Since Friday, it has become clear we have a choice in this country. We can have the United States of America with freedom and representative government and life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, or we can have the Republican Party. It is inescapable. We can no longer have both. The stories of the Republican death cult of the gun and the Republican death cult of Trump crossed late Saturday night in Colorado. The disaster of the appointment of a special counsel ahead. But first, this nightmare in Colorado Springs. Five dead, at least 25 injured in a mass shooting. The 601st in this country this year the 14th in Colorado this year, the 9th in this country this week. This one in an LGBTQ club 
which held drag shows and which was to commemorate Transgender Remembrance Day hours later. This one, after days and weeks and months of deliberate and publicized homophobia and the targeting of the transgendered and the demonization of something as unthreatening as men dressed as women by dozens of the most prominent Republican candidates from DeSantis to Lake to Boebert and by virtually all of the conservative commentators. This one is stochastic terrorism with a direct link to the Republican Party descent into fascism and political violence. The suspect is the grandson of a MAGA California State Assemblyman who had compared January 6th to Lexington and Concord. Neither of the usual gun nut excuses that those who are known to the police to be violent are weeded out from gun ownership or that the real cause is mental illness can possibly apply here, as it only does in 5% of these shootings anyway. It can't apply here because the suspect was not some stranger to the law. A year ago, there was a standoff and a threat to kill his mother with a bomb, and yet he was not prosecuted and not institutionalized, and the sheriff of his county is a loud denouncer of red flag laws. We have spent the money to train the cops. We have spent the money to give the cops the weapons they said they'd need. We have pushed for more good guys with guns. We have trained in active shooter drills everybody from kindergartners to stadium ushers. And it did not stop Colorado Springs or the University of Virginia or Buffalo or Uvalde. In desperately trying to process and understand this spiraling national disaster, which gets exponentially worse with every passing week, we always leave out one component without which these things could not possibly happen. We always leave it out because in some ways it is more horrible to contemplate than being in the club or in the bus or in the supermarket or in the school. That component is this. There are people in this country who want this to keep happening. We live in a hell where more children die by gunfire in a year than do on-duty police officers and active military members. The right's cannibalistic obsession is not merely to own a gun. It is to own a gun so that they can shoot someone who is without a gun. The victims are unarmed whether it is a psychopath shooting you in a classroom or cops shooting some kid or some homophobe shooting up another LGBTQ club, it is not the fight they lust after. It is the unfair fight. They don't want you to have a gun. They don't want gun fights. They want to hunt people. They want to kill people they do not like. They want black people shot. They want children shot. They want gay people shot. They want Asian people shot. They want Jewish people shot. They want liberal people shot. This happens not because this country fails to act. It acts. This happens not because the Congress fails to act, it acts. This happens not because the president fails to act, he acts. This happens not because mental health professionals fail to act, they act. 
This happens not because the filibuster is in the way. It is a wall of paper. This happens not because the gun lobby is in the way. It is a wall of paper. This happens not because the red states are in the way. They are a wall of paper. This happens because the Republicans let it happen. Republicans equal gun massacres. Gun massacres equal Republicans. Without one entire political party prostituting itself, the gun lobby would lose all of its power. Congress would be able to rout the death cult. The president would be able to enforce the laws and issue executive orders. The filibuster would be irrelevant. The red states would fall one after the other. And the will of the people, 61% of whom want an assault weapon ban, the will of the American people would prevail in the United States of America. But there is a political party prostituting itself. And that party is the Republican Party. And there may or may not be anything we can do quickly enough to stop these ritualized, sacrificial murders of our children by Republicans and our innocent citizens by Republicans to a non-existent, quote, constitutional right, unquote, But the sooner Democrats tell the truth with rage and with revenge in their words, the sooner they say those guys, those kids, those Americans are dead because the Republicans stopped gun control, the sooner we will make some impact. The Second Amendment argument is a complete lie. The word own is not in the Second Amendment, and there are no words that mean own in the Second Amendment, even though the Constitution and the Bill of Rights constitute, in large part, a property contract. In the 7,676 words in the Constitution with all its amendments, the words vote, votes, and voting appear 37 times. The words rights and right appear 15 times, but words relating to money and ownership appear 103 times and not once in the Second Amendment. If they had meant own, it would have said own. So, to adapt what was said after an anti-slavery publisher was assassinated in 1837, is America free Or are we slaves to the mob rule of gun owners and lobbyists? Because the Republicans, who are at fault for gun massacres, manage to fool not only their own cultists, but many normal people, too. In the red states under Republican control, the party line is gun violence is a problem in the blue states, in the cities. In fact, your chance of dying by a gun in Texas is nearly three times more than it is in New York. Your chance of dying by a gun in Louisiana and Mississippi and Wyoming is nearly twice as much as it is in Illinois. Your chance of dying by a gun in Idaho and Kansas and Nevada and Indiana and half a dozen other red states is twice as much as it is in California. There are small actions you and I could take to push back against this nightmare. We could encourage and support the boycotts by students who have done more than any other group of Americans. We could demand 
credit card companies refuse to let customers use their credit services to buy at least the worst of the guns and supplies. We could demand news organizations show, where possible, the images of what one of these guns actually does to a human body, the way we all showed the images of the Nazi death camps after World War II when so many said it was too graphic because that is the point. It is too graphic. It is too graphic to be shown and therefore it is too graphic to let happen. Yet after each one of these, after each one, Republicans immediately try to turn the subject to the quote, mental health crisis. And many Democrats buy into this lie in whole or in part, but there is no mental health crisis. Fewer than 5% of the shooters have any identifiable mental illness, but 100% of the shooters have guns. The only mental health crisis is insisting that the weekly mass murders in this country have nothing to do with guns. More Republicans, more gun deaths. More Republicans, more mass shootings. More Republicans, more dead second graders and first graders and kindergartners and LGBTQ people and minorities. Say it. This is the Republican business. They enable the gun lobby to sell more guns, to kill more children, to kill more Americans. Republicans did this. And especially to Democrats. Stop invoking God every time this happens. If you want to pray for the victims of the latest Republican mass murder or their loved ones, go ahead, please. But do it in private or do it at the end of your speech. The night of the Texas shooting in May, Joe Biden made nine references to God. Mr. President, whether you believe there is a God or you don't is irrelevant. The faithful and the atheist would have to agree with this. If there is one, God has clearly left this for us to solve. And the president is, as Lincoln once said, clothed in immense powers. Use them already. We need executive orders to ban and restrict and hobble the purchase of these weapons of Republican death. It was Senator Elizabeth Warren who noted that executive orders alone could broaden the requirement for background checks for virtually every gun buyer and to report multiple purchases and to raise the minimum age to buy a gun, and to increase prosecution for gun trafficking across the Texas border, and to revoke the license of gun dealers who break the laws, and to investigate and prosecute the NRA, and to keep guns out of the hands of any domestic abuser. That's just what any president could do today. And if a court blocks those orders, Mr. President, issue another one. Issue 20 of them. Issue 2,000 of them. Issue 2 million of them. I want the corrupt Republican judges and the Republican gun lobby waiting knee-deep in executive orders. And if that is still not enough, Mr. President, if the Attorney General of Texas confesses, as he did that night, that he cannot enforce gun laws, you must do what Eisenhower and Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson did when other state attorneys general and other governors confessed that they couldn't or wouldn't enforce integration laws. Send in troops to enforce them. Or wait. Wait for whatever and whoever is to be hunted next. Because police arrested two men in Penn Station in New York Friday night with weapons, with plans to shoot up a synagogue. 
And last night, they closed the campus at the University of New Orleans over a threat from a former student. And hours after five died at Club Q in Colorado, the libs of TikTok Twitter account invoked drag shows again and targeted two more Colorado state representatives. First and foremost, Mr. President, stop dancing around the truth. These children in Texas, these grocery shoppers in Buffalo, these people just out for a Saturday night in a place they considered their haven in Colorado Springs, they were killed by Republicans, directly or stochastically. Say it. Use your immense powers to clothe these truths with legitimacy and acceptability. When Republicans come out, as they are still removing the dismembered bodies of the people the Republicans have decided are suitable to be hunted, and when Republicans vomit nonsensical excuses, claiming that this happened because the school didn't have high enough fences, or because the targets weren't hard enough, or they outright lie and say if they'd only had a cop in the school in Uvalde when the cops stood and watched, or they outright lie and say if only there'd been a good guy with a gun in the Topps Market in Buffalo when there was a retired cop with a gun inside and he's dead too, or when they outright lie and say if there'd only been a cop in Club Q in Colorado Springs when the shooter was stopped when an unarmed man grabbed the gun from his hand and hit him with it. When they do all that, come out and say it, President Biden. The Republicans murdered these Americans. As I said earlier, there are two vital topics today. The other is the appointment of a special counsel by the Attorney General Merrick Garland. And for anybody who says this is a good idea, or it at least cannot be a truly bad idea, I have two words. Robert Mueller. That's next. This is Countdown. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. 
As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Forty-six days from now, the second anniversary of Donald Trump's first attempt to overthrow this government by violent coup will come and go, and the new special counsel will not yet have completed decorating his own office. The second anniversary of the first request from the National Archives for Trump to return the classified documents he stole may come and go, and the new special counsel may not yet have completed indicting the worst criminal in this nation's long history. Merrick Garland believes he has all the time in the world. Merrick Garland does not seem to understand that there is a presidential election in less than two years that may sweep him from office and end any prosecution. Merrick Garland believes American representative government is eternal. Merrick Garland believes etiquette is more important than justice. Merrick Garland may himself now be guilty of obstruction of justice. Merrick Garland is the wrong man in the wrong place at the wrong time. He must be dismissed. His successor must be instructed by President Biden to instruct the special counsel to indict Trump based on the mountainous evidence that exists now, or his successor must dismiss that special counsel and abolish the office as quickly as it was created. It is not exaggeration nor hyperbole to say the future of the democracy depends on this. There are only three explanations for why Garland appointed a special counsel. First, truly, he is as clueless as I have suggested earlier about how fragile democracy is and how finite time is. 
or Garland has reset the clock, pushed the prosecution of the treason and the treachery of Donald Trump back to square one because he believes some mysterious other factors may make the prosecution of Trump unnecessary and avoidable, or because he himself either believes you can't prosecute a former president or he sympathizes with Trump and in either case is making certain that the prosecution of Trump is impossible. Were a special counsel necessary? Why did Garland wait? The Mar-a-Lago search was August 8th. Garland himself felt the need to speak to the nation about it and about the case on August 11th. The documents have been missing for nearly two years. If a special counsel is necessary, why did Garland say the special counsel will decide whether or not to prosecute? Imagine the landscape. Imagine the changed world if what Garland had announced Friday was a special counsel who would decide which Trump crimes to prosecute. Rather than continue to offer merely my own rage here, let me quote experts. Many are buying the excuses for this latest slow walk, this latest return to the starting line. As near as I can calculate, there are seven major excuses. The first, a special counsel will prevent this necessarily grim and even solemn prosecution from becoming a spectacle. But Matthew Miller was on the Biden transition team and is an advisor to his National Security Council. And Matthew Miller writes, quote, Garland has good intentions here, but appointing someone who is basically the U.S. attorney for Donald Trump with the oversight of two very different cases just recreates the circus atmosphere that Trump has always used to his advantage without any tangible upside. The second excuse a special counsel will address the reality that both President Biden and Trump are the would-be candidates for the White House in 2024. It will provide separation between the investigation and the campaigns. But national security lawyer Bradley Moss writes, quote, by announcing a special counsel this late in the game, Garland just made it more likely that any potential prosecution of Trump will bleed into the 2024 general election season. The third excuse, a special counsel would somehow improve or sharpen the investigation and the prosecution. But Watergate prosecutor Jill Wine-Banks writes, expletives deleted. I think a special counsel is a waste of time and money, insults the prosecutors at DOJ, and gains nothing. The fourth excuse, a special counsel will keep this bipartisan. The counsel, Mr. Smith, has been reported to be a Republican or more likely an independent. But even Trump's attorney general, William Barr, says, quote, I personally think they probably have the basis for legitimately indicting the president. I don't know. I'm speculating. But given what's gone on, they probably have the evidence that would check the box. They have the case, unquote. In short, what could be more bipartisan than this? Trump's attorney general is closer to indicting Trump than Biden's is. The fifth excuse for this, a special counsel will be above the political fray and there will be no political influence from either party possible. But within hours of the appointment, Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted, quote, Holman rule, look it up, GOP leader is going to put it in place. That means no money, don't promise too many jobs, whoops, defunded. The Holman rule 
An obscure congressional rule from 1876 allows, in theory, for modifications of appropriations already budgeted, like the way the Justice Department has already been budgeted through September 30th, 2023. Congresswoman Green is, of course, an idiot. Even if the House passed a Holman rule measure to stop the special counsel, it would have to pass the Senate, and it won't. But as stupid as Green is, she has already proven that the idea of keeping the prosecution sequestered from politics just because there is a special counsel is utter nonsense. And if that were not enough, hours after that came the admission of the Reverend Rob Shuck that Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito not only met privately with donors supporting the Hobby Lobby case in 2014, but Shuck alleges Alito leaked the decision to them three weeks before it was announced. And in that context, if you think there is any kind of separation between the law and politics in this country, you are crazy. The sixth excuse. A special counsel fits this case precisely. It expresses the intent of the original special counsel regulations. But the civil liberties lawyer, Neil Kutchall, with whom I once shared a stage at an ACLU event in Boston, wrote the original special counsel regulations. He wrote them. Now writes that they were designed to be used when you feared the administration in office might try to cover up crimes. Quote, so to me, I don't see what the case is for a special counsel. He adds, I don't think it's needed under the regulations, and I think it risks delaying this investigation needlessly. He adds, if there's anything we've learned, it's that Trump and his base will criticize anyone who goes against his wishes. It doesn't matter if it's Merrick Garland, Jack Smith, or even his own vice president. They attack anyone who disagrees, and a special counsel does nothing to change that fact. And lastly, Neil Kutchall says, Attorney General Garland said it was because of a conflict of interest, because Trump has announced that he's running, and Biden is evidently running in 24 as well. That, to me, is tantamount to rewarding Donald Trump for all of the maneuvers that he's making, including announcing his candidacy right now. And the seventh and saddest excuse of them all, that history tells us there is no way an attorney general would appoint a special counsel if he was intending to not prosecute a case. The expert I would like to quote here would be Robert Mueller. But Robert Mueller won't say anything. Of course, he doesn't have to. His eternal silence proves that the work of a special counsel can give even a president no choice but to resign. But that the work of a special counsel could also give an attorney general and a president license to lie indefinitely that they have been cleared. I sincerely hope I am wrong about Merrick Garland. I do not believe I am. Ask yourself this, if you were the head of the Justice Department and you were trying to run the clock out on prosecuting a crime and trying to make sure that it's the clock that gets blamed and not you, what would you do? You would do exactly what Merrick Garland just did. Still ahead on Countdown, as I've mentioned, I have altered the format today to make room for the two commentaries. So still ahead, worse persons looking at you, Maggie Haberman and Geraldo Rivera. 
Sports, the infamous Mickey Mantle lewd questionnaire goes to public auction. And in Things I Promise Not to Tell, the day the union media guy and all the reporters covering the 1982 football strike, except one, pranked that one. That's next. This is Countdown. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tail. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. 
Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Still ahead, it is the second most lewd document in baseball history, and now you can own it. The most lewd document? No, you can't have that. It's all mine. I'll explain. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need you can help. Every dog has its day. This is extraordinary. The actress, comedian, and singer Elaine Boozler has for 21 years been running a nonprofit rescue called Tales of Joy, and she has an amazing offer. Anyone who adopts any of the dogs on the New York Pound kill list will receive a full year of free dog food, treats, vaccines, plush, leash, bed, collar, toys, standard vet visits. Now is the time. So many great dogs need you. Wow. There are 18 dogs on the kill list at the NYACC, the New York Pound. See my Twitter feed and my pinned tweet at Tom Jumbo Grumbo for biographies of all of them. And remember Elaine's offer. You get free care from her and free unconditional love from a dog who otherwise may not live. I thank you, and I thank Elaine. Postscripts to the news. Some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Louisville. Nothing new on the James Comer scandal. You'll remember he is the incoming chairman of the House Oversight Committee and has promised investigations of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. He has not commented on any investigations of the charges made in 2015 by his college girlfriend, Marilyn Thomas, that he hit her, threatened her life, drove her to a clinic to abort their child, then tried to cover up his involvement in that by getting her to not write his name in the paperwork. Dateline New York City as COVID resurges on the West Coast sufficiently that several communities recommend now that their residents wear masks in indoor spaces again. A couple of pleasantly startling facts. The percentage of residents in New York City who are fully vaccinated is now 82, 82 percent and nationally for all the whining and all the protests and all the Tucker Carlson. It's 68 percent. And Dateline San Francisco, Elmo Musk using an easily corruptible and heavily bot susceptible online Internet survey that most news organizations have foolishly called a vote or a poll has restored Donald Trump's Twitter account. Thus, here are Trump's lifetime accomplishments. November 2016, against all odds, is elected president of the United States of America. November 2022, Gets his account reinstated on a free website. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown. With Keith Olbermann. Time for the bi-weekly International Soccer Championship. As you know, if your team or nation loses the This Cup or the Copa de That, don't worry, there'll be another championship they can play for in, at most, two weeks from now. 
12 years of slave labor and selling out soccer's good name came to a climax yesterday when World Cup host Qatar got blitzed to zip by Ecuador in the opening game after an opening ceremony starring Morgan Freeman. And it had to happen. Mr. Freeman finally found a script that even he could not make sound good. The Cup opened in the wake of the host Qataris asking Los Angeles Times sports writer Kevin Baxter to take off his face mask because it was in the rainbow colors representing the LGBTQ community. Homosexuality is illegal in Qatar. And bluntly, I don't know why a team representing the United States is still participating in this homophobia, especially in light of what's happened in Colorado. On a broader scale, just before the World Cup began, the Qataris banned the seal a sale of beer in the stadiums after saying they would allow it, except they didn't ban the sale of beer in the stadiums. They just raised the price. Sky Sports reporting that you can buy beer or any kind of alcohol in the stadium in a luxury suite, and you can get into a luxury suite providing you buy a corporate hospitality ticket, which will only cost you $22,600. International soccer's boss Gianni Infantino defended Qatar's greed by saying the Qataris were being discriminated against, and he knew how that felt because as a child, he had red hair and freckles. And no, he's not kidding. At least he does not know he's not kidding. On a lighter note, the second most profane document in baseball history is up for auction. Next month, Leland's will sell the infamous Mickey Mantle lewd questionnaire. In it, then-Yankees public relations director Bob Fischel writes to Mantle on December 14, 1972, inviting him to the team's 1973 Old Timers Day and asking him what he considered his most outstanding experience at Yankee Stadium to put it in the program. Mantle writes back and answers, well, I can't tell you. I can't tell you what he wrote back and answered, but Mantle explained it happened under the right field bleachers near the Yankees' bullpen. To the follow-up question, this event occurred on or about, give as much detail as you can. Well, Mantle does that, too, and the part I can read is, it was about the third or fourth inning. I had a pulled groin. Thank you, Nancy Faust. As I said, the Mantle Questionnaire is only the second most profane document in baseball history. The first is from 1898. It followed an apparently exponential explosion in the use of profanity in the National League, which was the only major baseball league in 1897, especially by players to fans. Titled Special Instructions to Players, it is so filled with expletives that in 1898, it was illegal to send this document, the warning, by mail. You could be arrested because of all of the swear words in the document. Copies were hand-delivered by messenger to each team's manager. The manager, in turn, handed them to players who were instructed to read and sign another document confirming they had read the special instructions to players and then give the original back to their manager. I can read you this much. It quotes players, umpires, and fans as complaining of, quote, such brutal language as you blank blanking son of a blank and you blank blanking blank, you blank blanking dog, 
Kiss my blank, you son of a blank. It really makes the 19th century come alive for me. I am not bidding on the Mantle questionnaire. I am proud to say there are two copies of the 1898 special instructions to players still known to be extant. And I own both of them. <laughs> now the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, MAGA congressman from Texas, though you don't see him mention the doctor part that much anymore. Maybe this is why. He writes, masks are just a big lie. They don't work, never have. They should not be forced on our children. COVID is over, and everyone who pushed the lies should be locked up. Everyone who pushed the lies should be locked up, Ronnie Jackson writes. Ronnie's actually right without knowing it. The lies about COVID were by people in the Trump administration like him and the functionally challenged people like Joe Rogan and David Portnoy pretending to be anti-vax when in fact they're actually just afraid of the needle. The runner-up, Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo Rivera. It's Tom Brokaw doing Geraldo Rivera's name. Geraldo Rivera tweeted at 10.38 p.m. Friday, for the good of the nation, Ford pardoned Nixon. For the good of the nation, Biden should pardon Trump. It will never occur to Haldo that Trump did what he did in part because Ford pardoned Nixon, because the lesson of the Ford pardon of Nixon isn't that we should forgive trespass for the sake of the nation. The lesson of Ford's pardon of Nixon is that if you're president, the more laws you break, the more likely you are to get away with it. But our winner, Maggie Haberman, who has never learned anything, no lessons to be learned there, quote, the new tone of the teleprompter speech during his announcement is over. Trump responding to the appointment of a special counsel calls the 2020 election rigged as he speaks at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Maggie thinks there's ever been a new Trump tone. <laughs> Maggie, no, this was the day Trump truly became president. Haberman, today's worst person and the world! Finally, to the number one story on the countdown on this day of scrambled formats. Thank you for your patience. And my favorite topic, me, and an abbreviated edition of things I promised not to tell. And we are now 40 years and five days, it turns out, past the end of the 1982 National Football League players' strike. So I better tell this story now or wait a year. In March of 1982, I went from scheduled freelancer to full-time as CNN's national sports correspondent based in New York. I have mentioned previously that they rewarded me by offering me $1,000 less a year than they were giving me freelance, which tells you everything you need to know about working in television. CNN also rewarded me by sending me to the first meeting of the NFL Players Association and the NFL Management Council to negotiate a new contract and avert a strike that year. Kind of missed that target. But while I did lots of other stories in my first full year at CNN, I was the football strike guy until that strike was settled and a new deal was approved at a mass meeting in Washington and the mass meeting in Washington occurred just before Thanksgiving, like 40 years ago today, 
and the damn story had started 40 years ago last March. There are probably 5,700 stories worth telling you of covering this thing nearly every day, one way or the other, for eight months. But this one might be my favorite. There were, I think, three other reporters at that first bargaining session in New York in March of 1982. And if these are not the three guys I'm thinking of, they became the three guys in the subsequent meetings later in March and then in April when we had some in Washington and throughout the early summer. They were Bart Barnes of the Washington Post, Ira Rosenfeld of the Associated Press, and Michael Janofsky of the New York Times. By October, the four of us had been joined by maybe 100 other reporters, 200. The problem with covering any strike inside sports or outside of it is you don't have a lot of news to cover. And the only news story your editors or producers or readers or viewers want anyway is this one. Is the damn thing over yet? So there was a lot of competition among all of us for those few news nuggets and sources available to an ever-increasing supply of reporters. Though I have to say the others, at least the originals, were all great to me and I to them, to the point that when they moved the talks to the Hunt Valley Resort Complex in Maryland, United Press International and the networks like us called our location Hunt Valley, Maryland. But there was such a dearth of news that the Associated Press insisted there was no such place as Hunt Valley, Maryland, and we were all really in Cockeysville, Maryland. The same story would come across the UPI wire, Dateline, Hunt Valley, Maryland, and the same story on the AP wire, Cockeysville, Maryland. Then, the Associated Press did a story on the dispute over the location name. I remember asking Ira Rosenfeld of the AP if they had used the Dateline, Cockeysville, just so there'd be a dispute, just so he had something to write about. He started laughing and walked away. Anyway, Janofsky, the guy from the Times, was the most anxious of the bunch. Michael Janofsky was a little uh, abrasive, like literally elbowing you out of the way in the scrums with media spokesmen, or trying to walk those spokesmen out of those gaggles and scrums in order to get a one-on-one. I'm from the New York Times. And the only thing the owners and the players and the rest of us reporters all agreed on was, oh, God, here comes Janofsky again. So one long night in the resort they were using in Cockeysville and or Hunt Valley, Maryland, one of the union guys was having a drink with a bunch of us media types, and we started complaining about Janofsky. And I don't think the prank that was hatched was my idea. But I know I was the choreographer. The area I had to work with in the hotel in which we were permitted to roam ran from a swimming pool around a corner down a 100-foot hallway into the lobby, which was the press room and press conference venue. So we waited until we saw Janofsky go down that hall away from the main lobby and around the corner towards the hotel rooms themselves. And then at least a dozen of us waited like evil school kids in the main part of that hallway between the swimming pool and the lobby. We sent a spotter to stand near the pool to alert us. So as Michael Janoski of the New York Times turned the corner 100 feet away, he saw the NFLPA press aide literally pushing some of us and everybody yelling and him saying, fine, it's true, it's true, it's over. Now I can't say another goddamn thing, I quit. He's trying to get away from us. There are arms flailing through the air, voices raised, a lot of oaths and swear words. In short, we have convinced Mr. Janofsky of the Times that he 
has just missed the end of the football strike. Janofsky sprints the hundred feet, grabs the union guy and says, tell me, tell me, it's settled, it's over, tell me. And this man, Dave, had also been a press staffer in the Kennedy administration, and this was not his first prank against a reporter. He says, I'm sorry, Mike, I don't work for the NFLPA anymore. I just quit. If you want this story, you better get it from the executive director, Ed Garvey, or the president, Gene Upshaw. So now Janowski grabs Bart Barnes of the WAPO, who had to have been, I don't know, 10 years older than Janowski was, and he says, you have to tell me, Bart, I'll pay you. At which point, all of us lose it. I mean, me and the AP guy, Ira, we broke character. We doubled over with laughter. Now Janowski froze. Dave from the union laughed so hard he turned red. And Janofsky marched off, announcing he would get us and get us soon. I don't think he ever did. Though if I had to do a phoner for CNN when Janofsky was around that lobby or any of the other places we did this story, I always made sure I guarded the phone disconnect button with my free hand just in case. But what he did do was leave sports altogether for safer and more fun topics like covering the Environmental Protection Agency and getting writing stories about pesticides and recycling mercury. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. If you're not following or subscribed or whatever, please do so. Here are our credits. Most of the music, including our theme here from Beethoven's Ninth, was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. They are the Countdown Musical Directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Larry David. Everything else was pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 685th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. I usually say here, arrest him now while we still can, but of course, the special counsel has not yet started on his job, so furrow your brow and say serious things about him now while we still can. A new episode tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.